Hello, Mama. Welcome to Reaching Abundance. I'm your host and financial coach, Virginia. As you know, this podcast covers a wide variety of topics having to do with motherhood and money. I like to think of each little variable that we mamas have to focus on as a tiny puzzle piece to the picturesque, abundant life we dream of for ourselves and for our children. Think about what it's like to open a new thousand-piece puzzle. You can't and shouldn't focus on every piece at the same time. But if you focus on a section or a color scheme, you can really make some progress. Then, piece by piece, big picture comes together. That is what we're doing here. Last week, we talked with a fellow mama about pursuing fulfillment outside of motherhood and maybe some income to go with it. This week, I want to dive into some emotional parenting and child psychology stuff with you. Battling a negative inner critic is something many of us moms face every day. Feeling like we're disciplining wrong, questioning if we made the right choice or said the right thing, worrying that we can't keep up. But fostering a growth mindset has become even more important to me because I'm seeing these same nagging, questioning, fear-based anxieties pop up in my kiddo. So personal growth is totally my jam, but it isn't just about me and believing in myself and overcoming my demons and blocks anymore. Now, it's about putting what I know into a neat little package that an eight-year-old can understand. I've got to find the words, be able to describe the feelings, be receptive to his expressions, even if I don't quite understand what's going on in that little brain of his. And I have to have patience to talk through all of it and find the tactics and exercises that will actually help him overcome his own internal negative voice. Just like it's important to teach positive money management habits young, it's come to the forefront of my attention that some kids need to learn the words, the skills, and the tools to cope with emotions and battle that natural inner negativity from a young age too. Just like we view financial literacy as a tool that helps shape the rest of our lives Emotional intelligence and one's ability to maintain positivity and growth-oriented thinking is the same way. Welcome to the Reaching Abundance podcast, where your host, Virginia Elder, shares helpful guidance for moms around positive mindset, creating simplicity, practicing true self-care, and most of all, money management. Her financial journey toward a better life blossomed into an insatiable desire for overall happiness and abundance. Hang out with her right here each week while she ditches the taboos around women and money, shares resources, educates, and financially empowers all the mamas. Hey there, mama. Thank you for joining me this week. This subject and the research I've found and the lessons I want to share on cultivating a growth mindset for our children 
became kind of a big project and a lot of information to communicate in just one episode. So this topic is split into two episodes, and this is part one. I recommend you listen to this first part as this is the foundation. I'm going to go over three key components of creating and nurturing a growth mindset, a set of beliefs, if you will, that we should all become aware of and revert back to over and over again. Plus, we'll talk through some basic do's that will help you get through to your child at a moment when they're suffering from negative thoughts or feelings of self-doubt and some don'ts. Things you should absolutely avoid because they'll cause an even faster spiral towards self-degradation in your sweet kiddo. These three components and the do's and don'ts are important to begin practicing and implementing first. Before you jump to part two, where I'll be sharing 10 tools or techniques to teach and practice with your child to help them battle that internal, negative, sneaky, mean voice. I'll put the links to my research and helpful books I've found on these subjects in the show notes at reachingabundance.com because this is probably going to be one of those episodes where you feel the need to take notes or read the article or even just buy the books for yourself. So let's get started. First, I want to tell you more about what I'm facing and what I'm dealing with so that there's no misunderstandings. My son is bright, gifted, and has no special needs or diagnosis so far that we know. I understand that we are extremely fortunate, and this is in no way a complaint, an attempt to label anyone, a cry for help, or anything beyond just me sharing our personal family experience and some personal growth stuff that I'm teaching him. If you happen to be working with special needs, sensory issues, or any other diagnosable conditions, some of this might work and some of it might not. I'm not experienced or well-researched in those areas. I also want to remind you that This podcast, my Facebook group and page, and Happy Healthy Abundance in general are judgment-free zones because it's important to me that all moms can talk about and post about what they're going through and instead of being judged, gain the access and resources they need to reach a solution. So with that being said, I want to invite you to just let your walls down And if you're having any level of financial or parenting struggle, I want you to know that whether you're wanting to post in the Facebook group or whether you're wanting to reach out to me directly, you can and that it's okay. And asking for help is not saying that there's anything wrong with you or that you're doing anything wrong. We are all struggling, but maybe with different things. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, let me share a little bit about my son. This is the kid that would get overwhelmed easily when he was just a toddler. If we went to a friend's house, for example, and it was busy with a lot of people, like 
maybe a birthday party. I knew that he was a ticking time bomb and that I'd need to take him outside for fresh air when I could see his demeanor change or that he was getting agitated. Another clue was that loud noises scared the bejesus out of him. Fire alarms, loud pops, or even the clanging from dropping a dish in the kitchen is loud enough to startle all of us. But his level of startle, I'm telling you, it was on another level, like complete sheer panic. I remember the preschool teacher having to really work with him individually in the case of the fire drills. And thinking back, this is the baby that I could feel jump inside my belly if I dropped something or if I went to a public restroom and the toilet, those really loud toilets, you know, if one of those flushed. It was one thing if I knew I was going to flush the toilet, like I could kind of hold my belly and like brace him. But if someone else in the bathroom flushed, just that loud whooshing, I mean, my stomach would literally jump. So... Yeah, I knew he was sensitive from the beginning. And some things he's grown out of or learned to manage. But over the past few years, it's become a very emotionally sensitive situation. And more than that, I've witnessed time and time again that he blames himself for things, takes the victim stance, or embraces the can't belief. I'm being vague here because it covers a wide array of situations. I'm talking about a soccer game where the other team scores, and no matter how many kids are on the field, he thinks it's 100% his fault and that there's nothing he can do to help the team turn the game around. This is the same mentality that when a friend just isn't available to come outside and play, he takes it that the friend doesn't want to play with him. Another example we've seen lately is that when he gets just one or two things wrong on a worksheet at school, he is filled with embarrassment and anger and has crumpled up or ripped up papers. And I hear later from the teacher expressing concern or In another scenario, when he does bring it home, he's hesitant and shameful to just pull it out of his backpack for me, as if I'm going to verbally chastise him or something, when really, anytime he brings me a worksheet home, all I'm looking for are the ones that he got right so that I can celebrate with him. So it's not just in sports or dealing with school or any certain topic at all. It's just across the board, and I've learned that he doesn't always have the vocabulary to put what he's feeling into words. More about that in a few minutes. There are three key components of creating and nurturing a growth mindset. One is the concept that fair is not equal. What is equal is not always fair When he gets new shoes five times a year because he tears his up so quickly, but sister gets multiple pairs of shoes twice a year, maybe that's not equal, but it's fair. They get the same number of shoes. 
throughout the year, but they're just going through them in a different way. Maybe an older sibling has more challenging chores and gets a slightly larger allowance. That's not equal between siblings, but it is fair. It's important for us all to realize and understand there will be challenges. There will be times when you think someone has an advantage. There will be times when you have the advantage. There will always be things in life that you might feel are unfair. And this rolls right into the second component. Each of us has the power to choose what we will focus on and how we will feel about it. You, I, your kids, and my kids each have the power to wake up each day and choose to be joyous. We can find things we're grateful for. We can choose to focus on why we think so-and-so has an advantage, or we can choose to focus on how we're going to navigate our personal challenges. Hey, Mama. At this point, I think we're on the same page. We both want our kids to grow up way more financially savvy than we did. Let's be real. Teaching kids about money using cash is necessary, but to prevent them from suffering the same money issues we have, they need practice using apps and plastic, which is where FamZoo comes in. For a few months now, my family's been using FamZoo, an app connected with prepaid cards, one for each family member, where we have all the parental control to pay allowance, gift cash, split earnings between spending and savings, monitor balances and transactions, track savings goals, teach budgeting, and so much more. The kids think it's so cool to look at their own balances through the app and use their own card when making purchases. The card's funds are FDIC insured and the cardholders are protected by MasterCard's zero liability policy against unauthorized purchases. Check out all the ways FamZoo can help boost financial literacy for your little ones by clicking the affiliate link at reachingabundance.com. In any situation, if we understand that we have the power and the choice to choose to see opportunity, silver linings, or lessons, or any other positives, we will naturally become more growth-oriented and more positive than those who only see the negative. And I love this because this rolls right into the third component. The third component is believing wholeheartedly that none of us are born a certain way and stuck there. We aren't born smart or, as I tell my son, with natural problem-solving skills or soccer skills or knowing how to spell the most challenging words. Each of us are capable, though, of learning, practicing, growing, and working toward the goals that we want. If you want to be great at spelling, then we need to practice hearing the sounds of the words and learning which letters make up those sounds. If we want to be an amazing soccer or basketball player, well, you got to get lots of touches on the ball and spend a bunch of time honing those skills over and over. I heard recently that Michael Jordan practiced making 1,500 baskets a day. 
That's why he became Michael Jordan, because he put in the time and he put in the practice and it didn't matter what the weather was or what his excuses were. He set that goal for himself. So 1,500 baskets a day is what determined the superstar that we all saw. It wasn't natural born ability or any other excuse that we like to think. I use myself as an example all the time. I wasn't born knowing how to run a business or build a website or talk about money. (laughs) I've learned and tried and failed and tried again, making adjustments years and years at a time. Sometimes we have the opportunity to really dive deep into a situation that made him upset. And I have the chance to talk through it all. He's very analytical and logical, and talking through these things really does help. I can see the wheels turning sometimes when we're talking about this stuff, and I can adjust the conversation based on his eye contact, his expressions, and whether or not he's fidgety. Sometimes I really think I'm getting through and helping him see the silver lining in things, but other times I feel really defeated concerned for his mental toughness and frustrated that we haven't seemingly made progress on this yet. The truth is, just like so many other skills in life, it requires practice and repetition. And sometimes that means having similar conversations on different angles of the same topic over and over and over for years and years. So that's what we're doing. And along the way, there are some firm do's and don'ts that I want to share. The do's, when you do them, allow you in, allow you to get past that wall of protection that they put up when they feel wronged. And when someone is open to you, to actually hearing and digesting what you're saying Man, you've just walked a shack-sized step in the right direction. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can talk to someone all day, but if they aren't receptive to what you're saying, you're wasting your breath. But if you catch them at a moment when they'll actually listen, it's the difference of trying to light wet logs on a fire with a match versus having dry kindling and a lighter. It's an unreal advantage. You can really get through and make an impact. So right here, I want to hang on just a second and highlight as I was doing this research for this episode and as I'm reading books and pouring back over books that I've read months or years ago about child psychology and about growth mindset and positivity and relentless optimism, I found it interesting that some of the same stuff that would be helpful to teach our children or to implement with our children is the same stuff that we should be doing. So if you're an entrepreneur or if you are someone who's in any way trying to do great things and overcome mental blocks and obstacles and Maybe you're trying to create a product or build a business or reach management level in your career. You're going through 
mindset, and maybe even some physical practices that will help break those blocks down and teach you lessons and make you think of things at a different angle. And I found it very interesting. Some of the things that I'm going to tell you about today are these same exercises that we as adults are told to incorporate into a morning routine or a nightly ritual before bed. Some of the same practices that would go into becoming a more positive adult, it's the same stuff that you're going to teach your kid. So right here, as we're going through this podcast episode, if some of this sounds familiar, it's because you've probably been advised to do it for yourself. And that's a little bit of the angle that's going to be presented here as well. A lot of these steps you are going to want to model for your child And we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. So the do's and don'ts that I discovered just right off the bat before we get to exercises or tools or steps or anything else, there's just these very clear things that you should do and things that you absolutely should not do. And it's more about the way you approach a situation than a physical action of what to do or what not to do. Okay, so we talked about the do's just a little bit. They will give you an unreal advantage when you do them. The don'ts are the same way, except the opposite. They will absolutely douse a little campfire completely with a whole truck worth of water if you accidentally do one of them. If, for example, your child was for some reason going to be receptive and you accidentally do one of these don'ts on this list, you blew it. The door shut in your face. You didn't mean to and you don't always realize what's happening in the moment, but it's almost like the emotional equivalent of being stabbed in the back. These don'ts result in three steps backward for sure. So the do's. Do show love and compassion when it's the hardest. Sometimes, as a parent, there are moments where you seriously feel the need to just jump to discipline. As hard as it is, these are often the same moments where you need to lead first with love and second with compassion and empathy for what their perception and experience is then third or maybe fourth with the discipline part. The second do is to let them feel seen and heard, which is why the discipline part might be step four, because step three should probably involve you listening, validating their experience and emotions, and really digging deep with empathy and trying to understand their perspective. Remember, In any given situation, kids only have a certain number of years of experience, right? You have maybe 20, 30, 40-something years of experience in life. So it's easy for you to say, oh, that person didn't mean it, or this is what you should have done, because you have all this experience to pull from. But your kid only has, what, six, eight, ten maybe less, maybe more years of experience. Either way, it's like a quarter of your life. It's really important for you to lead with that love, 
talk through it, listen with compassion, empathy, try to understand their angle, their perception, what they really think and feel. Then after we work through all that, then we might talk about some discipline, depending on what the situation was. Kids aren't dumb. They don't just break things or disobey or break the rules just because they feel like it. There's always an underlying reason. And maybe their reason doesn't follow your logic, but that's because developmentally their logic and if-then reasoning skills are still forming. All the way until around age 11, actually. Kids are still learning, testing, trying, and creating their own set of cause and effect beliefs and rules to live their own life by. So maybe they disobeyed because they didn't understand why that was a rule in the first place. Maybe they broke something on accident and as a result of a reaction that made sense in their little child mind at that moment. But now they feel bad. Maybe they break the rules because they're just testing your boundaries and seeing how stern your rules really are and testing if you're going to enforce anything at all. Again, maybe it takes some digging, but there is a reason behind why for everyone, even a child. So to summarize the do's, to keep those lines of communication open and to really make progress with anyone, we have to show love and compassion when it's absolutely the hardest thing to do. And we have to listen to them in order to validate their experience and their emotions from their perspective, even if on the surface it makes no sense to you. Tough orders, right? <laughs> now you need to know the don'ts. I offer that these sound kind of easy or like, duh, but that actually not doing these things is harder than you think. So let me just run through these real quick. Don't diminish their experience. Don't invalidate their feelings. Don't demean their actions or use shame or guilt as a method of discipline. Don't stifle their emotions or hinder their expression. Don't suppress their words, tears, fears, or fits. Okay, you're saying like, geez, right? How do we even do any of that? How do we not do these things? It's tough sometimes, mama. Stifling, diminishing, or invalidating their emotions or expressions can be as simple as telling a child they aren't allowed to throw a fit. They aren't allowed to cry, or they aren't allowed to talk back. Think back to some of the phrases your parents used with you. Are there any that really pissed you off as a kid? How about the, don't you talk back to me, or because I said so, or suck it up, you're fine. Each one of these phrases and countless other similar ones teach children to mistrust their own emotions and feelings. Telling a child that they're fine or not to cry invalidates the intense emotional experience that they are having, their truth in that moment. And just because it's not your experience or your truth or that you feel like you don't have time to put up with it, it doesn't mean it's not real, impactful, or even scary to that child. As adults, it's easy for us to look around and say, well, 
Everyone reacts in their own way and has their own opinions about politics, religion, which car or neighborhood is best. But what about kids? Doesn't each child have their own experience through their own eyes with their own perceptions and feelings? So this is where, in those intense moments, we must be very cognizant of the words and phrases we use. We have to refrain from saying, don't cry, and instead encourage them with phrases like, I'm listening, I'm here for you, or encouraging them to take deep breaths so they can calm enough to tell you about their experience so you can understand why they're crying. Ultimately, don't say phrases like, yeah, right, that didn't happen, or no, it didn't. I hope as I'm saying these, you're able to imagine the conversation and you're able to feel how those phrases just completely invalidate whatever experience the child just had. Abstain from phrases or expressions like, that's ridiculous, or you're being ridiculous, which are both invalidating and diminishing. And then become acutely aware of language like, you better, how dare you, or you made me and especially any words or sentences that create feelings of guilt or blame. Just use the example of a dinner plate being dropped to the floor. The tension of the immediate aftermath is, what are you doing? You weren't paying attention. You should have done this. Why were you doing that? Why weren't you doing this? While those are all probably really valid questions, there's an element of blame and shame built into each one of those little expressions. And we've learned firsthand in any tense situation to first react with care and compassion. So in response to the shattered dinner plate and food flung every corner of the kitchen, I have no other choice. My response must be filled with immediate concern for the well-being of the child. Are you okay? Are you hurt? It's just a plate, but are you okay? Can you tell this has happened in our house? Yeah, a few times. Imagine the impact on a child when your first response is, are you okay? Versus, what are you thinking? Totally different, right? How would you want someone to react to you when you made a mistake? Yes, we want to address where the kiddo was giving attention in that moment and walk through what they were doing, how they were holding the plate, what they should pay attention to next time. But that can all be addressed after the tension settles and We make sure no one's cut on any sharp ceramic pieces. And after the child gets a new plate of food and is reassured that he's still loved and cared for and that we aren't mad over a dumb plate. And at that time, share with him that I appreciate that he cared about the plate and I understand that it's upsetting to break things, but that it was just an accident. And we go down that rabbit hole, but in the moment, We as parents have got to react with the do's and avoid the don'ts every chance we get. So you might be thinking, well, 
Every kid gets upset when a plate is dropped and broken or if their friend can't come out to play or if a soccer goal is scored on them. And maybe you're right, but I see in my son a heightened level of tendency to lean towards the negative. I find him dwelling in the victim mindset much more often than I think the rest of us do, and I've discovered that he takes the blame onto his own shoulders for things that are way outside of his control. I'm seeing a pattern of negativity here that I think could be detrimental to his outlook, his career, his life. And since my existence and everything I've created is in pursuit of abundance for all of us, I hope you can understand not just my desire, but my need to get in front of this. Persons who live in negativity aren't successful. They don't lead healthy lives. They think nothing they do matters. And they don't see the point in trying for anything beyond just surviving and scraping by. Is that honestly the future that any of us moms want for our kids? I think not. Well, Mama, this is where we break and take a stab at implementing these three beliefs and explore our tendencies and parenting habits this week and evaluate if we're doing the do's and avoiding the don'ts and making adjustments if needed. A big key for all of us has to do with the language we use. This is applicable in any area of life, money, parenting, health, you name it. And that language influences the thoughts we have about ourselves and sometimes reinforces the beliefs we have about who we are. I've created a free PDF download that's kind of like a this, not that comparison of common money-related phrases and what we should be saying instead to create a positive money mindset. I want to encourage you to go download this. And yes, I want you to implement the phrases and use them as applicable to your finances But I'd also like to encourage you to tweak and write out new phrases that are applicable to parenting and creating a growth mindset in your child. This week, edge a little closer to reaching abundance by incorporating some of what you learned here today and practice ditching any old, negative, or blameful phrases and using your new encouraging or uplifting ones. And for the moments when you're questioning everything and ready to just give up, I want you to know I really do believe in you. I really believe we can, you can have it all. It takes intention, consistency, and an attempt to being present in the moment. I know you can do this. In closing, I want to let you know a little bit about my financial coaching practice. We don't just talk about money, and I don't give you spreadsheets to fill out. We talk about mindset. We strategize toward your personal, individualized goals. And sometimes I think this is the best part. My financial coaching services include 
lessons for you to confidently teach your child about money. And I'm super excited for you right now because when you enroll for one-on-one financial coaching with me this December of 2020, there are two amazing things that are going to happen. One, we're going to have access to never-before-seen software created specifically for financial coaches as of January 2021. This program combines features similar to what you've seen in YNAB or Mint with future casting technology. So we can actually see down to the month and the year when you will reach financial freedom. Reaching financial freedom means you have enough assets, savings, and passive income so that you can retire. That's everyone's goal, right? So the cool thing is that we can play with this program together and see how your decisions with cash or purchases or spending or savings today moves that retirement date closer or further away. Now that is an amazing feature that I have not seen in any other software or program available. We are combining budgeting and strategy with the ability to really see how today's choices affect you in 30 years. You'll be able to see if a splurge will make you unable to retire for an extra two years, or if a new job with a higher salary will help you retire five years earlier. This is really cool, and I'm really excited to use it with you starting as of the new year. The second thing is that when new clients sign up this month, $100 from your first meeting deposit goes straight to the charity of your choice. So whether you want to support the local food bank or help provide books for underprivileged kids, you can do that and buy this gift for yourself and your family where you're setting yourself up for a successful, needle-moving 2021. Please make sure you've subscribed to the podcast and that you have part two of cultivating a growth mindset queued up so you can hear the 10 tools and techniques we've been trying. Also, if you listen to this show on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Castbox, or Podchaser, I want to encourage you to comment or submit a review. I love to read the reviews live here on air and highlight you for just a minute. Thank you again for being here with me today. The show notes are at reachingabundance.com and that's also where you can find the Money Mindset Mantras free download that I mentioned. Learn more about the affiliate for this episode, FamZoo, and book a free call where we can just see if we're a good fit to work together on your personal finances. Have a wonderful week, Mama. I'll talk to you more in part two.